0: Hey Tommy from the Run Testers and welcome to the Run Testers podcast. In this episode we are going to be talking about carbon plate running shoes. So we're going to be discussing what's happening in the world of carbon plate running shoes at the moment, what we think is going to happen in the future of carbon plate running shoes and discussing lots of things in and around that. We'll also be talking about the latest kit news and running through a number of your questions This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by SaySki. And if you get to the halfway point of the podcast, you will get a discount code that you can use for 15% off the SaySki online store. Right, let's jump in and do the podcast. Guys, we're back for another podcast. And... We've all been up to lots of different things recently. Um, well, I suppose some of us have been up to uh, to running. Nick's Nick's not done so much recently. Too busy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Excuses. I have, a, I have a son now, though, so I guess it's a decent trade off. Bit of running for a son. I'm not not <laughs> not entirely sold on the on the uh, on the trade as it is, but I've still been running. A bit raced, you know, kept it going. It's a little bit of time each day. Getting more and more tired. Running is getting worse and worse and worse. Obviously, but I signed up for an ultra just to try and prove I'm not over the hill. Oh yes, this ultra that you keep going on about. <laughs> yeah, five mile loops in my local forest. Perfect, exactly my kind of ultra. Yeah, I think
2: I'll skip that one. You know, you've, you know, the clock has started ticking, though Nick, on the fact that at some point between now and in the future, you will not be the fastest Harris Fry. The clock oh, is I don't ticking. know. He's now <laughs> not.
1: It's, it's <laughs> useless so far. As soon as he
0: starts catching up with Nick, Nick's going to start like just fe- overfeeding.
1: <laughs> I I honestly forgot like how, how like rubbish they are. Like oh, 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 oh I've eaten <laughs> stuff and now I've got gas I've t- and you have to deal with that for me. What are you talking about? Why can't you burp when you're born? What is wrong with you? <laughs>
0: okay.
3: Absolute That's waste the, of
1: time.
0: Uh, back to the running chat.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, well,
0: uh, Mike, are
3: you you still uh, injured? Uh, getting better. I mean, I did a race. Did a race. Didn't, you know, have to stop doing it halfway or anything like that. It was hard. It was hard. I did Hackney half at the weekend, which Kieran also did. And uh, main goal was just to try and do it on a very minimal training, probably one long run. And yeah, progress is being made. So hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm fully on the men. So I'm feeling a lot happier and I can start getting through. A massive backlog of shoes that I have <laughs> in my phone mm. at the moment, so which you know it's exciting, yeah.
0: So, oh, Hackney Half, I was meant to do that, but I got back from the Azores uh, at very early hour in the morning and decided to skip it because of uh bad hay fever as well. So, but it sounded like uh, it was a very popular one. Everyone seemed to be doing Hackney Half this year, and of course, you did it as well, Kieran.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah it, was, it was a good race actually. I enjoyed it. It's the first time I've done it. I've kind of it always seems to be a brutally hot day, and it was. Pretty mm. hot again, but it had a good atmosphere. I think it was well supported. It's kind of hilly as well, and yeah. kind of twisty and turny. But yeah, yeah I, I quite enjoyed it actually. There's It's it's a bit like the London Marathon, except instead of the crowds being kind of general folk, there's lots of young people drinking beers at nine o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and cheering everyone on, which is yeah for a bit bit of a lively. I always run. get really jealous
0: every every time I do Hackney Half and I see everyone just at the side in the sun drinking. I always think oh, I just come a
2: spectator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, nice. And so is that it, it, how was that um, fitted into your training
2: for Comrades then? Well, uh, it was it was okay. I'd made the mistake of playing football. Uh, uh, my son's kind of parents and coaches, I'm one of the coaches of his team's football tournament on the Saturday. And it's not supposed to be competitive. It's supposed to be kind of leisurely. But I obviously uh, don't know how to do that. Woke up in the morning, couldn't lift my legs out of the bed. Turns out football's not great pre-half-marathon training. But um, I figured put those two things together, and that's kind of what you need to do to run 55 miles up and down hills, right? I mean, that's
0: No, I think it's pretty standard training. training.
2: <laughs> pretty normal, no, it's good. Yeah, at, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was all right. I, I figured if I just overload myself, then I may stand the chance of finishing comrades. Hmm. You haven't got a coach at the moment, have you? I've this never had a coach, really. The, you're just, yeah. You just
0: created the, your, uh, You seem to have a different format for training every time we speak.
2: Yeah. Well, with this, this one, I've just sort of... Yeah, I'm kind of winging it a bit, hoping that gonna I'm gonna rely a lot on experience, Tom I think, yeah to use the old head to get around this one and survive And how, how long is it? How long have you' got? uh it's eleventh of June, so technically it's probably taper time soon i have um, I went and did the Xmore um, marathon, and that was good for getting kind of lots of elevation in the legs, so hopefully that'll be enough but yeah looking looking forward to it
0: okay nice well i i've I'm trying to, I've got my coach now. But I've been on holiday twice since I've had a coach, so I've it's, it's, not seen any gains yet. So, um, yeah, I think marathon training is going to start kicking in soon. So, uh, looking forward to that, if I can sort out which
2: marathon I'm going to do. You're still not found. you still thinking... I'm still oh, holding out for Berlin. Berlin we're not we're having this chair again. We did this last week. At yeah, time. Time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, one time, yeah, I'm, really when I go, I'm in. I got into Berlin. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's not a But still, it's still got Abingdon. In October, so uh, that's the that's the that's not even a backup. That's just a just a drinking one. Um, <laughs> cool. All right then. Well, let's uh, jump in to running kit news. Running, running facts. Fact. <laughs> All right. So let's just have a quick running fact at the end of this section. So uh, this one, again, i have not verified any of this. So if you if you're <laughs> listening to this podcast and using this information to write a dissertation, don't. You're going to fail. (laughs) You'll probably fail. Uh, Apparently the first uh, attempt, a serious attempt to uh, develop the sport of ultra running uh, took place in 1928 when sports promoter Charles C. Pyle uh, did a foot race across America from coast to coast. Uh, Apparently the winner was Andy Payne and he
2: finished in over 573 hours. 573 hours to run across America. Mm. Can, can we have days? That's quite a hard thing to pass, Tom. Look, I don't, <laughs> right, and I'm not putting enough
1: effort in to actually work out.
2: <laughs> no, that's not enough days, man.
0: Oh, least, oh maybe for you, Kieran. For, like <laughs>
1: 19, how, 19 days. That's
2: not, that's,
0: that's, yeah. Well, we don't know which coast it was. <laughs> <We did> the, <laughs> Where's the, the really
2: skinny, narrow part of did the 50, the 51 mile Panama Canal, ever
1: lose. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not very clear. I mean, I, I, I it's the same with 3, all these miles of America, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Kerry's going to be working this out all night.
1: Yeah. You're going to do it next moving, week. It's moving pretty quick.
0: All oh, right. Okay. In yeah, okay. is, is it?
1: was it in a Jules Verne book? <laughs> I'm not getting my facts from Jules Verne books.
2: Actually, you might like find some better ones. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, he was fogged at longer than 20 days to cross his bit of America. <laughs> and he was on trains, all kinds of things.
2: Was uh, he? I'm, did he go on trains? Sure. Your, yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's a guy Marshall Ulrich. I think did. I think I've read his book. It was like 53 days, and he set a record. Mm. And that was more recent. So, well, as we yeah. I say, if fa- you, we if need a
3: facts guy.
0: If you're writing your <laughs> uh, dissertation on this, uh, <laughs> stop, stop, stop yeah. it now. Use ChatGPT. Go and use, you go and some proper research. Yeah. Okay, another one. Those in a bit. Right, so running kit out at the moment. It's been a little bit quiet, really. There's not any been any major shoe launches or anything this month, but there is, of course, a very big launch which has happened today, um, yeah. which is the new Garmin watches that are, are out. So I don't know anything about these, but which of you It's just, just you, Nick, who's got these so far? I think Kira's got one now, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I've got, okay.
2: yeah, I've got the I've got the Phoenix uh, Pro. Pro, yeah. How big yours? One. I've got the big Mine's one the, I went for the middle sized one I wish
1: I've got <laughs> the big epics we're talking about the ep, the, big, the big epics is battery life absolutely incredible for an AMOLED you, screen. The
0: amount of times you moan about big watches on your small wrists. And your, yeah, I would hate <laughs> it. You, you're right,
1: Tom. You're, you're definitely right. And actually, in our video today, I'll have complained about the size of both these watches, undoubtedly. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, got them both in. The Pro in the name uh, largely refers to a, a few new features that we've not been able to test pre, uh, pre their launch because we don't have access to Garmin Connect. Um, but there is... A, you know, a few bits going on. They've got a new hill score, basically. rate your rating on hills that will work out automatically from your training history, or your. It takes two weeks to ascertain it, which is annoying because mm-hmm. I've had the watches for probably 13 days before the embargo <laughs> lifts. So I won't have those score yet. And the other one is an endurance score, which I don't know there's a couple of new metrics. I'll be interested. We haven't used them yet, so I'm not going to pass judgment. But I mean, I'm not sure how much they're going to add to the overall training status on the watch. You know, I think one other big new thing on them is the new heart rate sensor. Now, very hard to judge these. Over a short period of time, I've done kind of three or four or five runs, I think, with these watches now. And um, I will say that they've yet to really make a significant error on heart rate. For an optical heart rate monitor, that's very good. But at the same time, I've been doing mostly easy runs in warm condition, which is the best possible thing for an optical heart rate monitor. So I'll still be surprised if they're really as bulletproof as you'd want them for, for a watch like this. that has all this training analysis going on. But that's an interesting new addition to the watch. Um, new sizes in the Epics. is interesting, like I say, the big Epics Pro is offering like you know, a lot of actual life, I think it's, I can't remember, it's sort of like 11 days with the always-on screen on. And that's a big AMOLED display. And, you know, if you turn the AMOLED display off, you're going to get several weeks out of a watch with a nice bright screen on when you are running. So that's quite interesting. Otherwise, you know, it's, a, it's another, another maybe not entirely necessary addition to Garmin's range, I uh, think it's fair to say. Like, <laughs> we're still waiting to see also, we'll know by now by the time this comes out, we don't know at the time of recording when, how many of these features roll out, things like the Enduro 2, you assume they'll all be on the Enduro 2. What the 965 gets would be very interesting. So I think 965 is like for an incredibly expensive watch, incredible value because it has all of Garmin stuff. It has the same big screen as the Epix two, as the Epix Pro on the 51 mm Epix Pro. In fact, uh, it's got you know basically the best screen Garmin has of any watch and a much smaller, nicer, little, cheaper watch. So if, I mean, if that doesn't get Hill score, I'm not sure it's going to be enough of a deal breaker to make me pay the extra. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but then obviously these all have the Epic's and Phoenix styling, and a lot of people like those big bezels, metal bezels. I don't know. I've I I have never hit a watch hard enough to think, God, I'm glad I had a titanium bezel. But some people must be
2: right. (laughs) Have you found it, Kerry? I mean, I've I've basically had it on for about a day and a half. The first thing it did was give me terrible silicone burn on my on my wrist wrist, overnight, which is awful. So So we're we're
1: all pampered by not by these nylon (laughs) (laughs) bands.
2: Yeah, I mean, but it was really quite bad. It's actually brought up a blister overnight so i had to swap swap wrists well you're just twisting it as fast as you could pinching and kind of but it's actually burnt i've got like a proper burn mark on my wrist Uh, uh,
3: i don't have have mine yet i don't have mine yet definitely not annoyed about that but (laughs) i cannot believe nick hasn't mentioned the fact that all phoenix models get a flashlight
0: Oh you yeah, flashlight, You get a flashlight. I've, <laughs> still, I've still never tested <laughs> one of these more recent watches that's got a flashlight
3: on it. Right. All, all Epic watches are Missing flashlight. out, Tom. Missing I will out. say,
1: uh, I was thinking, oh, a flashlight's going to be really useful because I'm going to be up and down in the night, you know, creeping around the house trying to, and a flashlight would be really handy. Except that my older child requires the house to be essentially floodlit at all times otherwise she won't be able to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter, it's, it's very bright in my house. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, they all get flashlights. Yeah, Mike. My UPS man and I are on speaking terms. Lovely guy, first name terms, waves it in the street, came to me straight away with his watches. I don't know if Mike says I've kind of run in with his guy, but all all I know is he hasn't got the watches.
2: He doesn't want to give them to me. He doesn't want to give them to me. So, (laughs) on on the Hill score, what I mean, I've I've only sort of, I haven't really looked into it properly yet. What is it going to tell me? Is it going to say you're good at Hills or you're not good at Hills?
1: Yeah, you get a color coded chart saying, here's your hills and I guess then I suppose if you're training for comrades you go
2: oh it's saying I'm terrible at hills maybe I should go and do some hills but I
3: I, don't <laughs> I can't wait it. to
2: complete comrades and for it to say you'll rubbish at hills at the end of it like, well, yeah, yeah. In, in true Garmin way it's like exactly. yeah. yeah you finish <laughs> a marathon
1: seven minutes quicker than the prediction it tells you afterwards yeah. but yeah yeah, uh, yeah. I think endurance score as well I don't know endurance so, score to me feels like it might end up you know Chorus's slightly confusing marathon level thing yeah. that we all kind of went, that's a bit mm-hmm. weird I thought well, it's going to be one of those going oh okay weird don't need that yeah. like, you've got the ot max and everything else on there like stamina. stamina
3: what happened to stamina, stamina. <laughs> whatever happened to stamina oh, whatever <laughs> happened to stamina
1: <laughs> still there
3: don't need it don't need it <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> don't need stamina. Yeah. 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 the watches have got so good like i do think it's interesting well I, I think it's a good idea that they've got we're really trying to work on heart rate accuracy because yeah. that is a tangible game to lots of people i just worry it's you know at the end of the day. You can't do much, but it's it's on the wrist, and you are flapping your arms all over the place. I really don't see how much you can do. Like I said, they've been good so far, but most watches are good for me at this time of year in the summer, yeah. and it still lags slightly. I did a you know a couple of sprints uphill stuff like that, and it still lags slightly behind the chest strap, not annoyingly so, but I just yeah, I'd be surprised if that's a big leap forward. But I also wonder. I applaud if-
3: them for trying. I applaud yeah. them for trying on bigger watches as well. I think that's that's a that's a good thing. But I mean, like, you yeah. say Nick, I think it's going to be tough going in terms of getting accuracy where it needs to be.
1: And also, I still kind of feel like did we need another top end Garmin when there is the Enduro, the uh, the Epix, the Phoenix, and the, nine, the 965, All it's of getting, it's getting busy. It is. There's a it's getting mean, busy. It's pretty uh, Garmin is dominant in this area of the market. There's no one else yeah. who's making really top end watches that are anywhere near as good, but. Now, now there's more of them. <laughs> I don't know. Well,
0: by the time if people are listening to this, uh, then we've probably, hopefully, already got some, some videos up. So you, you can find out plenty more, or well, maybe not everything, uh, because we're still waiting for some of the features to, to be released on them. But you yeah, can find
1: oh, out. I've been quite negative, but you know, these are some brilliant watches. It's just all, all the <laughs> yeah, like, probably, features. Yeah, there's just so many great Garmin watches that it sounds really negative to go at them. But You've like, just
0: not had any sleep, have you? Everything's yeah. quite <laughs> negative. Yeah,
1: and it, but they are, you know... Garwin makes all the best watches at this end of the market, and these are more of them. It's just yeah. they're more of them; they're not necessarily yeah, needed.
0: All right. Well, let's just uh there's a few other things that we've got on the list. Let's run through these um, because we haven't got a lot to talk, to, talk about on them. Uh, the the new Magic Speed Three is out in the US. I don't think it's out in the UK yet, is it? Yeah, just, out, yes. yeah. Seeing a lot, a lot on so, and I remember when the first two came out, they weren't really that big. Like I didn't see that many people getting excited about them, but now everyone seems to be really into the magic speed three. It's, it's got some major improvements to it. That mean it's going to be a, a big time competitor for some of the, you know, endorphin speed threes and, and things like that. Mm. Um, did, uh, Nick, you, do you write something on this about the magic speed three? I thought I saw.
1: No, I, I've been, uh, been, I've uh, been putting feelers out trying to get hold of it because I love the magic <laughs> speed two. It ended up in like in my yeah. rotation, replace the speed just because I prefer yeah. the fit of it. But, um, I think the new ones they basically put more, more of the better foam into the midsole is basically what yeah. they wanted to do. So it's,
0: it's veering more towards the sort of super shoe side of
1: things yeah. as opposed to the... the, the I do think shoe. eventually all shoes will just be super shoes, I guess. So this thing <laughs> merging <laughs> to that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, hopefully we'll
0: get hold of those soon because we'll be doing plenty of videos on that. Uh, another watch, which we're probably not going to talk about as much as the the garments, <laughs> the uh, Sunto uh, Vertical. I think, y- did you do this video, Kieran?
3: No, no. I did. <laughs> oh, you did that one. All
0: right. <laughs> I,
3: I did it, remember. but it's, yeah, it came a little bit out of left field. But yeah, it's basically new Sunto watch. It's kind of aiming at kind of the Phoenix and the kind of vertex kind of end of the market it's got topo mapping it's got really big battery life, particularly kind of in its kind of optimal gps mode it's like 60 hours uh dual band support it's got titanium and stainless steel bezels if is it enough to kind of get into where it needs to be not 100 percent convinced based on kind of my early testing right now but it's a step it's definitely a step in the right direction but you know there's still things they need to do i think uh particularly on the software front
0: cool and we've got a first review we've got a first run review up on first run review
3: it's up yeah. on the channel yeah on the channel yeah
0: cool okay uh and then finally uh a pretty interesting new shoe which Kieran you've been testing the uh Hocker Tecton
2: X X2 X2 yeah X2. yeah which is basically the X but with some new uppers essentially there's not a huge oh, amount okay. that's changed there <laughs> um but it's still I mean it's still a great shoe I it's yeah it's improved it sort of marginally I've tested it over I think I did a marathon yeah I did the X more marathon in it. And, uh, yeah, really solid shoe. Great shoe, I think, for ultras that aren't particularly kind of steep and technical. It didn't cope too well in the sloppy Exmoor mud. There were some really, really, really treacherous bits of that where you're kind of running with, this is be perfect view, Nick. It's like a, a, a foot wide path with a cliff drop with sloppy <laughs> wet kind of chocolate mousse mud. Perfect conditions for killing yourself. And they kind of cope pretty well. But um, overall, yeah, if you like the Tekton X, you're going to like the X2. It's 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 basically the same shoe. Oh,
1: I mean to say, if it is the Saucony Exodus Ultra you've got at your house, Kieran, worth a run. I really like that shoe. Yeah. Really mm, nice. Yes. Yeah,
2: really nice. Yeah, I it. It's in a box right down here waiting yeah. for me to put back We've, some other trails.
1: That review's gone up. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just a really nice all-round shoe. Really nice. I, uh, I loved it pooping around the forest. It's got quite a uh, nice midsole grips pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone should try that shoe. <laughs> no oh, plate. No, it hasn't got a plate. Better than
3: the, the Peregrine?
1: I like it more than the Peregrine. I think the Peregrine's lighter yeah. and geared, has a slightly longer lugs, but yeah. I think the Exos Ultra's got a better midsole because it's got some power run PB in there and it's got a nice power on frame. It's very much like, like the Tempus. Tempus has got a power on frame with a power on PB yeah. core. And it just means it's really comfy and um, as also quite lively if you uh, want to mm-hmm. pound down a hill at some point. But Salkini's grip is just, that power track outsole is pretty good actually. Kind of, mm-hmm. even if the lugs aren't that long, it worked quite well.
0: Lovely stuff. All right, well, let's finish with a running fact. Running, running facts! Fact. <laughs> back to, back to the, uh, the standard running facts, no quizzes uh, this time. Well, I've got something that could be a quiz question. Uh, so, uh, according to research in 2008, no reference as to what research this was. So, uh, again, <laughs> treat this with uh, a pinch of salt. Apparently, sprinters in lane one react faster to the starting gun than those in other lanes, uh, even when the sound is simultaneously broadcast to all the lanes. Lane seven is the slowest. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Groundbreaking, like that.
1: No, no thoughts, no thoughts. You know, not... Have you of before? Uh, no, I no, don't no, no, no. There we go, there we go. That's all I look for now. Maybe they sure they can, they're ne- if they're next to the gun, can they not see someone moving? If it's
0: simultaneously, the, the, if, if the gun's... Like uh, right in the middle, I think. What or
2: set, sort do of off a, like a speaker or something. You know Maybe what? you get double sound. Maybe because unless the guy's out, or unless the person who's shooting is actually in the middle. Hmm. Which
1: should be very you're
2: dangerous gonna, in a sprint. You're going to get the speaker sound and <laughs> you're going to get a little bit of layered on top.
1: hmm this, you know, another fact about sprinters in lane one, if uh, sometimes in on indoor tracks, it's so tight, the bends, that if you're drawn in late one, lane one, some sprinters just won't bother turning up because it's so much of a disadvantage. <laughs> Interesting. Um, regardless mm-hmm. of how quick they react to the gun because it's too mm-hmm. tight for the in corner.
0: I ever took someone on the inside of the inside lane earlier. That's, uh, that's the kind of man I am. Well, what, an, an annoying man? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there we go. So uh, more of them in a bit. So Nick, you're a man
1: who likes fancy running clothes. Certainly do, certainly do. Love a bit of fancy running gear. Uh, Makes the run feel that little bit more special.
0: Well, you'll be glad to know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Seisky, And uh, for all the listeners and viewers of the podcast, they will get a discount code, which we will uh, let them know about in a few seconds (laughs) uh, (laughs) after we've
1: we've spoken for a little bit. About SaySky or Seisky doesn't really matter, does it?
0: Well, according to according to the brand, it, they don't mind. I think "say Sky" is seems to be the phonetic way to to say it. But um, yeah, they're not bothered. There's actually a page on the website that uh, that says they don't care how how you pronounce it. So. Which is
1: good because we get criticised a lot on the channel for saying things wrong. So that's nice.
0: Well, yeah. So any, anyone listening to this planning on commenting on a mispronunciation, the brand don't mind.
1: <laughs> so how much do you know about Sky? I know a lot about Seiski Tom, uh, I use a lot of their running gear, test a lot of their running gear, it's exciting stuff, it's good stuff, it comes out a lot of new different designs uh, you know, regularly throughout the year across a series of quite core uh, pieces that I use quite a lot, especially the two-in-one shorts which uh, have a lot of storage which I'm a big fan of, I've used those for most of my training runs to be honest.
0: Well did you know that the CEO and co-founder Lars Peterson started as a pro windsurfer before setting up the run?
1: I didn't know that. I will, I will admit that. I'll hold my hands up on well, that
0: one. Well, there you go. So <laughs> apparently the idea was that he wanted to take the, the sort of relaxed, fun style of windsurfing as a sport and, and take it into the running world. Lovely.
3: Hmm.
0: Nice idea, isn't it? <laughs> but that sort of follows on with uh, one, of the, one of the brand uh, ethoses, which is focusing on what they call everyday heroes. So these are... These are runners that aren't elite level runners, sub-elite level runners and sort of ticking the boxes for everyone that wants to get into running, not just for people that want, you know, the elite level kit. Although it, they, they do cover that as well.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's across the brand. All the gear is very high performance stuff, but it is quite functional. Like I say, with those shorts, it does carry a lot of gear, which uh, you will need if you're not you know, being supported by someone carrying your phone and all your fueling for you.
0: Yeah. Well, should we, should we, give, the, uh, should we give the code out to the uh, listeners?
1: Yeah, we promised it, so we should. We promised it, yeah. So that
0: that, that code is TRT15, and that'll get you fifteen percent off at uh, Seisky Schools globally. So don't worry about where you live, because you'll still be able to use that discount.
1: Enjoy it. Enjoy the code, and enjoy pronouncing it any way you want. Yeah. Go crazy.
0: All right, guys. So uh, the different gear we're going to do this month is focused on carbon plate shoes, main, largely around the future of carbon plate shoes and what we think is going to happen to to, to super shoes uh, in the coming months and years. Uh, it's a, an area of quite a bit debate, with with a lot, especially in the comments, people always talking about um, carbon plate shoes and if you need them and all that sort of stuff. But before we talk about the future of them, let's just, for anyone listening to this who maybe isn't too clear on what a carbon plate shoe is and what you'd use it for, Uh, Nick, do you want to give us a bit of an overview of what are complex shoes?
1: Uh, so carbon mm-hmm. shoes are generally racing shoes, fast running shoes, although that's not always the case anymore. But they came about really after the advent of the Nike Vaporfly 4%, which was uh, came around in the Rio Olympics, but it had been used a little bit before that. And it's basically, it's literally a carbon plate in a shoe, which acts as a lever, as a spring, but also stabilizes, in general, a soft stack of a very bouncy foam. That's the other key element of all carbon shoes. really is the midsole foam, which is usually a very bouncy foam that without the carbon plate would be a bit sloppy and potentially not as quick. Something like the Nike Invincible has a super foam in it, but without a carbon plate and is an easy day shoe rather than the racing shoe. So the combination of the foam and this carbon plate basically creates, boosts your efficiency on the run. doesn't make you faster. It makes you more efficient. So you're faster by virtue of being stronger and fresher at the end of races and being able to hold faster paces more efficiently. And they now have limits around them because they were proved so successful and world records started tumbling. You can only have a stack height of 40 millimeter in a race legal shoe. And you can only have one carbon plate in the midsole because brands are starting to experiment with putting a couple of plates in to get even more propulsion from the shoes. But yeah, so a race legal shoe, 40 millimeter stack height, one carbon plate, more efficient mm-hmm. ride, faster times.
0: Cool, very good. So... Next question, uh, Mike, you can tackle this one. Two or three years ago, carbon plate shoes, they, it was pretty clear. There weren't that many of them. It was pretty clear what they were designed for. And when people went to buy them, you sort of knew what you were, you were aiming for. But that's not the case anymore because there are a lot of carbon plate shoes in the market. It's pretty confusing, especially if you're new to running or you've, you've never used carbon plate shoes. What would you say, Mike, is what what is the the carbon plate shoe world looking like at the moment for people?
3: I mean, it's busy. I think you would probably say, uh, arguably, that pretty much every major brand has a carbon plate shoe in their collection, or most will have that, you know, particularly on kind of a road kind of running point of view. But we're also seeing it in trail shoes as well, hocker and the north and the kind of north face of are putting carbon fiber plates in their shoes as well. So it's kind of branching me out to a lot of different brands. We're seeing kind of smaller brands as well, embracing the technology as well too. So it's well spread. It's obviously making that decision between, you know, looking at what carbon fiber shoe you should go for a little bit more challenging than when it was a few years ago where there's probably only a few brands that were offering it in their shoes.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'll say that I think the thing with carbon plate shoes is that Back in the old, I remember when the Vaporfly was out, and then uh, that was sort of like the one complex shoe that everyone knew about. And then Hocker released the Carbon X, and people all thought that that was they just went, "Oh, this is cheaper, so I'll buy that one." Because you know they're both complex shoes, very different type of shoe altogether. Now it's way more complicated because complex shoes aren't really the same thing anymore. Uh, Kieran, one of the things that people often think about complex shoes is that they're just for racing and people will just have a complex shoe for, for getting PBs and running fast. Is that the case still?
2: Uh, I, I think it's changing. and But I mean, they often tend to be designed for racing or, or I would kind of say basically for running fast. So whether you're training in kind of at race paces and beyond, that's kind of their, their remit. It's often sort of down really to how the shoes designed around the kind of midsole foam and the carbon plate as well so you're looking at kind of stripped back minimal uppers to keep them lightweight you know not so much kind of structure to the shoe not so much cushioning in the heel colors all of those kind of things lend these shoes to being uh better for uh, faster efforts or efforts where you might want to put them on for a couple of hours and then not be wearing them for long after so yeah they're often quite stripped back but i think that we're seeing more shoes kind of i guess digress a little bit things like you know you get the hoka bondi x you know it's a it's a bigger max that cushioned shoe that has a carbon plate, I think some of the other shoes that you see are great for racing have more capabilities kind of lower down the pace as well so I think things like the underarm velocity elite is probably a more uh, capable shoe even when you 're doing kind of slower training runs mm. i'd say the Sock and endorphin elite as well and we 're seeing uh, i guess the you know uh, the endorphin pro three i 'd argue as well is great for racing, but you can do a lot more in so I think there's more versatility coming. Into play with the with the carbon shoes,
1: the other yeah, thing don't...
2: that we saw with the early shoes, I guess they were they were very expensive. The early vaporflies were expensive, and they weren 't as durable, so people tended to keep them for racing or they should have done. I still saw people bounding down off road river paths in in Richmond, wearing them, <laughs> thinking yeah. that they're only going to last like a, mm-hmm. a few four runs if you do that, but I think we're moving away from that, and I think they're going to start to be as as Nick kind of said earlier used for things that are, they've got basically wider usage.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that, I mean, we see, we're seeing carbon plates being used in shoes that probably two years ago, you'd, you'd never even dream of. Look at look, a lot of trail shoes now have carbon plates in. Um, and the way that carbon plates are uh, marketed in those sorts of shoes is very different than how that is marketed in a race shoe. Quite often in trail shoes, they're not really there for speed. They're more mm. there for, you know, efficiency. And sometimes I've noticed that the brands will mention talk about them as being a, a sort of uh, efficiency thing but also double as a rock plate as well which I've, i find quite odd yeah. also, um,
1: i think it's worth saying that carbon plates are very different across the board basically carbon yeah. plates yeah. and each shoes are basically carbon plates i don't think i ever are completely carbon because that would make them too be brittle so they're always some kind of composite a little bit there's different ways of making them i think thermal molding is the most expensive and to make it the thinnest and st- stiffest it can be and Brands will often make carbon and TPU composite plates that make them a bit softer. So, And then, like you saying, trail shoes often a Carbotex plate, which, again, is, I think, some kind of mix of materials to make it a bit more flexible because you don't want it to be too stiff on the trails, or in mm. Hawker's case, they have dual plates instead of one complete plate, and there might be three-quarter length plates. So there's lots of different plates. Forked plates that's another plate, uh, or even energy rods, if you're looking at Adidas. But they all usually perform the same role, which is to create that propulsion. But, yeah, we kind of say carbon plate is shorthand for everything.
2: And also within that, I guess the other thing is the interplay with the foam, right? It's not just about the yeah. carbon plate, it's about how it works alongside the foam and that changes everything as well. So yeah, I mm-hmm. think we use sort of carbon races as the as the shorthand for it, but there's more going on that changes the feel of each of these shoes.
0: Well, exactly. That's what I was saying with the, the Hocker Carbon X. That was just, mm-hmm. you know, just saying it had a carbon plate and everyone thought, oh great, it's the same as a Vaporfly, but... Yeah, there's, there's a lot more. There's a lot more to it than, than those those shoes. All right, well let's let's jump into what we think is going to happen with complex plate shoes uh, in the future. So over the next year or so, what what are we expecting, or what are you guys expecting from complex plate shoes? Nick, do you want to tackle this
1: one? Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting time Com shoes because they basically have hit a limit because there is a literal limit set by World Athletics. So they want to make race legal shoes, and we're never going to see the jump we saw from. Your, whatever you're racing in beforehand, like the Adidas Boston to the Nike Vaporfly four percent. So from there, they increased the stack. That was the easiest way to increase the performance of the shoe. They hit forty millimeters There's now a limit, and now you are into tweaking. Like I talked to Nike about this at events, saying you know and they, they're very confident. There's loads we can still do. We can tweak the plate. We can tweak the phone. But it is, it is we are talking tweaking. I think one of the potentially interesting areas came out from the Mizuno Wave Rebellion Pro this year, where they had that huge heel cut out which allowed for some slightly playful interpretation of the rules, I'd say, in terms of stack heights because the heel wasn't that high and then there was a very big stack in the midfoot and things like that. So I think we're going to see more attempts like that to kind of engineer the midsole to try and create different rides. There's going to be a lot of talk about foams. And I just, I think we're back to the point when everyone used to deliver race shoes with an insane amount of hype saying, this is the best shoe ever. Like the Adidas Adios was like 2% better than other shoes and things like that. And the Nike just changed everything a little bit. The Vaporfly by you know, really living up to all that hyperbole and exaggeration around the adverts. But I think we're probably now back to the stage where we're going to see a lot of very big claims that probably are only going to result in very minor improvements in performance. Like, I think I think within the limit that's been set now, you can play with it. You can play with the midsole shape. You can start finding better and better phones, lighter foam for the same energy return. I don't know what you can actually do. I actually think the Vaporfly 3 is another interesting area where they might go, which is actually a bit of a regression in some ways in that they made it. <laughs> We've all seen a little bit less durable than it used to be. And I think maybe brands are going, well, actually we're going to start sacrificing the things a bit more like outsoles to cram more foam in and things like that because it's very hard now to improve on something when you've got, they've all got pretty, most brands have got great foams. They've all hit 40 millimeters. Most of them, they've all got a well-designed carbon plate. How much can you do now about, you know, breaking the, the race rules? Okay. Yeah. It
3: feels like, yeah, it feels like, you know, trying to find that extra margin, that little extra gain, I think is going to require, you know, there's only so much you can do with a shoe that compromising and, and you know, making it inferior in other areas so i think that's that's gonna be a massive challenge for, for kind of all brands that are trying to take the foundations of what we've already kind of achieved with carbon shoes and try to make them even a little bit better
0: okay then so mike what what uh, do you think we're going to see a shift um in the coming months and years of what people actually expect from their carbon plate shoes?
3: I think so. I think the more the more that these shoes are out there, the more that these brands are learning, the more that they can see how people are using them, see what are the benefits, see what other you know things they can get from the shoes. so i think as I, as I said I think we've we've got to a point with the shoes where we, we we've seen real kind of positive in terms of them being there and people using them from a wide range of runners as, as well, so I feel that the more brands are using these kind of innovations and embracing it we can kind of see that potentially there could be changes in terms of how they use and and how people use them in terms of their running and their racing as well
0: yeah i i think the biggest thing for me is as you say nick it's all about tweaking now but i think when it comes to a lot of carbon plate shoes the question of durability is getting asked more and more now so i think what what for me it's it's going to be the actual performance isn't going to change that much, but the 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 you know the 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 ability for it to last longer than it actually does is going to is going to be a big focus. If you imagine a vape flyer that can handle, you know, six hundred kilometers without losing any of the the squish, that's a that's a big improvement
1: on that shoe. I would um, say counter to that though, but if you market to certain people, you went to them and go, "This shoe only lasts hundred k, but it's it's a better performer." I think people would probably buy that. <laughs> yeah, well, I
0: guess so. The other side of that is probably that. You've got a lot of these shoes that are coming out, like the, the Saucony Dolphin Speed Three, which are very versatile shoes. But it's not a, it, the shoe itself is comparable with some of the top line super shoes. So maybe modifying those shoes to be even better when it comes to racing and having a, a, a true all rounder for race day might be might be where where things would, would go.
2: There's, there's another challenge coming down the line as well, and it, it's probably not going to happen in, in the next kind of couple of years, but it's, it, well, it's being thought about. But sustainability is going to be a huge change within these shoes. At some point, brands are going to have to find a way to make sustainable foams Good. out of kind of bio-based materials that actually work. And I think there's, Ortholite have come up with um, a foam called Circle, which is essentially, uh, it, it comes from plants. It can be uh, returned to kind of compost at the end of it don't quite know whether or not it's actually going to live up to some of the foams that we've got now but they are going to have to whether they make the shoes more durable whether they find a way to bring good quality sustainable materials into the shoe I think they're going to have to do that I mean the carbon plate itself and the components of the carbon shoes make that a very even more complicated kind of puzzle mm. to solve than than other shoes as well because you've got more components in the carbon plate itself is a tricky one but I do yeah. think that's going to have to at some point that's going to be something that these kind of shoes will have to wrestle with and also i think as runners we're going to probably have to wrestle with it and with our own consciences as well
1: i think puma one of puma's piva foams is it's cast a bean oil but i don't know how recyclable it is but yeah that's definitely true to say i think carbon might be the last area they hopefully they'll start reforming their daily trains i guess will be their first target and things like that but eventually like you say everything's gonna hit that but i think actually one i meant to say in terms of improvement i think one area that potentially could be a massive, massive area for carbon plate shoes and racing shoes in general is personalization in the future. Mm. Like You see elites talking about the shoes, like Eliud Kipchoge getting the, the Alphafly's tuned very much to what he wants from it, and someone like uh, Bekele, Kenanisa Bekele, doesn't like using it, doesn't feel like it works for him. And elites get a lot of say about the shoe. I think brands have always been working on this, the idea of you can customize shoes, they always talk about 3D printing, maybe helping with this, but basically a new system or something of determining what works you best from a carbon shoe, what drops works best for you, what kind of rocker. And down the line, maybe we'll all start getting elite level personalization in our shoes to get the perfect racing shoe for you know someone like me, a very shuffly, heel striking, high cadence runner compared to someone who's a big bounding, flowing runner. I, Asics, you know, started this a little bit with the edge in the sky plus, mm. but, hasn't really doesn't that doesn't really deliver the level of customization that has worked out but I think that might be something that we see in the
2: future and okay. Nike Nike actually mentioned something with the launch of the, the Vapor 3 I think it was where they actually said to me that they can already kind of do way anyway, I can describe it as like a cut and shut which is when you kind of illegally smash two cars together to make them look like one that have been in a wreck but anyway they, they can take the uppers and fuse them to midsole so you could you can already sort of potentially choose your upper that you like so yeah. You know, interestingly, with the Adios Pro, if you don't like the old uppers, but you like the strong uppers, maybe you can choose the, the midsole unit with a different upper. Those kind of things could be interesting. And Brooks, I think, also mentioned about the idea of um, this kind of uh, spectrum of stability. So you know, rather than just having stability shoes and then shoes for everyone else, that everyone needs a little bit of stability, different levels, and maybe that will become a little bit more fine-tuned as well.
0: Cool. All right. Well, let's look at pricing and costs. So... I think anybody listening to this podcast is probably aware that the price of shoes, and especially the high, the higher tier shoes, especially the super shoes, is getting pretty high. The shoes are getting expensive now, and it's pr- quite rare to find a carbon plate shoe that is uh, well priced. <laughs> or um, yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're looking for the sort of the the top the top ratios, you're, you're looking at upwards of two hundred pounds at the moment. Do you think Akira now ch- this one to you? Do you think it's ever get to a point where carbon plate shoes have become so normalised that there are actually really good cost-effective carbon plate shoes.
2: Are, you, are there any at the moment? Well, I mean, are there any good ones? I don't know. There are some cheap ones. There's a mm. like, 361 Flame for like $160, I think it is. I mean, for me, the best way to get a good carbon shoe is to go old generation. Some of those are still really good. That I think that you just, you can you know, particularly sort of flies and stuff. I, I My fear is that they will just keep layering on a premium and – you know, in tandem with what Nick was saying about kind of people talking about sort of these margins of the shoes getting better and they'll still sort of be marketing them as the kind of this and that with the extra kind of percents and they'll they'll just keep making them more expensive. I'm yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe one of the smaller brands will come in with a good shoe and say, mm-hmm. actually we'll do it at a budget. But I think if you look into the major brands, I I think this is where they, you know, this is their premium play. So I don't see them doing any knockdowns personally. But. I
3: think, I think that like, you know you've got I think there are a couple I think you know you look at the Asics at the Asics Magic Speed which I think it, you know is it's still expensive but it's it's falling a little bit in terms of the price in terms of the other kind of carbon plate shoes that, is that, a, carbon plate? Is that a carbon
0: plate or non nylon plate Magic Speed 3 Magic will have Speed. a carbon plate yeah oh, nice. Two does. Oh, nice okay
3: i didn't know that yeah yeah um and then i think Puma is being pretty aggressive with their pricing i think as well in terms of w- what they're doing with their shoe at shoot range so i think there are there will, I feel that there will be, but I still think it's still going to be a little bit more of a premium, at least for a bit. But it feels that brands are trying to be a bit more aggressive with the pricing, but a lot of the, the big names are still get, getting high, high in terms of how much you're going to have to pay for those top tier shoes.
1: I can't believe it will keep working though, because the market is so old now. And I don't know, I've, every time I test a new carbon shoe, like I say, I, I maybe they're a little bit better, but I've, never, I've not found one that I would buy for 250 quid over mm-hmm. a £120 vapor line in a sale. It's just, when yeah. I, mean, I bought a, carbon pair, a pair of carbon shoes last year, they were £100, the Alpha Fly originals, because I wanted the, the blue ones. I, I don't know. I know people will always buy the newest one, but they can't, they can't just whack out a £300 shoe when you can buy the, the older gen, and it's so much, yeah. you know, so close to the standard. That said, everything's getting more expensive. I paid £2 for crumpets today, so. <laughs> How many? Only six. Like, it's a small supermarket, but... I mean, crumpets should be 35p for a pack well, of Well,
0: be- beans in my
1: co-op are £1.70. This is outrageous. Beans. It's absolutely outrageous. Yeah. I, have, gone mad. I had a big yeah. pack of crisps every night. And, you know, that's thing. not, <laughs> that's not we don't talk about that. That's not, that's, not, that's not the point of making it. I shouldn't be eating the crisps. But I could always find reliably one set of crisps, set of crisps, one set of carbon crisps would be a pound on sale.
0: <laughs> it's because you're going to places that you're buying sets of crisps that the uh, pricing's <laughs> off.
1: But, um, but now I'm paying up like, like, even in sale, like a pound seventy-five for sensations come on, come on.
2: <laughs> right, back it.
1: to the running. Uh,
2: so nice uh, Every podcast practices. It. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's true. We are getting stung on shoe, some of the shoe prices. It's so annoying when you do the shoe review and you go, and in the US, this is free. And in the UK, it's 300 pounds.
0: <laughs> uh, right, last question. This is over to all of you. And it's not just about car shoes. It's about super shoes in general. So what do you think is going to be the next big evolution of super shoes? Uh, is there going to be a new type of technology that sort of drives...
1: Uh, the next the next phase of
0: Super Shoes forward.
1: I shot my load earlier by saying the personalization thing. I think if there's one thing that could possibly make a big difference, it's that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think, I think everyone's going to have a shoe with a big heel cut out like the Mizuno Wave Rellium mm-hmm. Pro mm-hmm. and try that as a as a way of improving shoes.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to repeat myself. I think the most important thing, I'm going to get on a big cut of high horse here, but I think the most important thing that has to be done is to make the shoes m- more sustainable. And by that, make Them more durable, basically. You know, the best shoe for the environment is the one you already own rather than one you go and buy and replace. So, mm. I think that's a huge challenge. And I, I expect to see more and more messaging around kind of um, environmentally friendly, kind of performance shoes, maybe not in the next couple of years, but coming down the line. Uh, how sustainable they actually are will be up for grabs, but I definitely think that we'll see them being marketed as such. I have no idea what is uh,
0: flashing lights. <laughs> On the side, <laughs> flashlight.
1: Yeah, flashlight, yeah. I, I love your optimism. I feel like we're going to be literally underwater before any brand takes any <laughs> 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 running.
0: running facts. Facts. Okay, running fact after that long section. So, uh, what have I got here? Um, oh, this is an interesting one. It's, it's, I say, this every time it's not an interesting one. I, I should really lower the bar with you, shouldn't I? <laughs> During the 2007 Boston Marathon, astronaut Sunita Williams ran 26.2 miles while on board the International Space Station in four hours and 24
1: minutes. I did know this actually. I've, uh, I've, 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 why why I had to write write about this at some point?
2: I think someone else did it. The, the British astronaut Tim Peake it. did it. And he did like it in London. Yeah. Peake, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: he did it at the same time as London. But I think both. Of, yeah, he wasn't the first. Um, but their treadmills are weird, aren't they? Because they have to be, like, they obviously, have to be forced down onto them in some way because it's zero gravity. Yeah. It's, it looks a really unpleasant setup to run in. <laughs> mm. I, I,
0: uh, I'm not sure the time is that relevant, is it? It's, it's not really comparable with
1: the uh... treadmill, anyway, it doesn't count, mate. My... Don't care where you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, it's, uh, it's not a bad
0: fact that one is it, actually. Okay, so uh, we're on to the question and answer uh, section from the comments. So what we're going to do is slightly different after this month because we're going to do a separate mini podcast where we're going to go through loads of questions and actually delve into them with a bit more discussion because um, sometimes you, we get really long questions and it's quite hard to actually, one, read them, um, but also discuss them. So, uh, But for, for this month, we're going to be back to normal format. So we're just going to run through these and... Um, they're open to anyone really you can answer them and try and plow through some of the questions that we've had on the channel so uh first one we've got is from lewis holford he says are these really better than the speed goat fives and that's about the northern ld3 the arcteryx northern ld3 uh no (laughs) i mean they're they're quite similar for me i i i I like both of them Uh, i think speed SpeedGoat five is probably more versatile versatile um a bit more comfortable but i do really like the northern ld3 it's a it's a really nice shoe for, for long runs. There's a lot of cushioning in it. Uh, but I would say that the speaker five is probably best for most people. Okay, Jorick Pitt says a uh, great review, uh, talking about the Gel Keanu 29. One for you, Mike. Um great review. <laughs> so this is not a very fast shoe. Can you recommend any fast shoes for overpronators? Now I would say before we go through this, we're not going to suggest shoes for overpronators in general, because if you're overpronating really badly, then you know you probably need to. Mm have a look into that but there are stability shoes out there that actually are getting pretty good for fastest running shoes so mike, mike you've, you've tested quite a few of these
3: uh what well, kind of moderate stability shoes i guess is probably what i would kind of call them so thing like the things like the tempers the 860 um v13 i think they're are quite versatile shoes and shoes that you can do a range of different runs in so i think i uh, My experience would be from the kind of moderate stability shoes where you're getting some of that support in kind of very different ways, but ultimately you're getting something that will kind of serve you better, but also give you the ability to run kind of a mixture of different runs uh, in as well.
1: The one to look out for actually, Brooks. So Brooks started adding guide rails to shoes across its range and there is now a, a Hyperion with guide rails. So that's Hyperion Tempo with a little bit of added stability. Already quite a stable shoe because it's quite a firm midsole and I think that'll be a very, very light fast shoe with a bit of extra stability I think that will work quite well
0: Brooks do that quite a bit aren't they they've got their sort of yeah. stability element that they add on I'm just, um, Kieran was talking a bit about that earlier but um, it seems that I, th- I think as we go forward there'll be more moderately level stability shoes that sort of pop along um, from existing ranges uh, okay, so Sebastian Goss says, how durable are the socketing Endorphin Pro 3s and how many kilometres does the foam lose its properties? Now, I put this one in because we spoke about this a, a while back. Uh, Nick, I think it was you who uh, we were talking about you, you felt that it lost a little bit of its its bounds.
1: Yeah, I I, I I I definitely think it gets softer and softens up after about 100K. And it's a lovely shoe, but I don't think it's as fast a shoe after that. And I, for the first 100K, I was putting up against anything on the market, fly anything. I thought it was a brilliant shoe the way it rolls through and the foam is really good but i think after that point it just got that little bit more mushy and a little bit you know more soft and great for different purposes as a result but i think i lost it lost a bit of an edge and it was really compar- apparent to me during like i was doing a workout where i was doing mile reps in different shoes and um i just felt this is this just doesn't feel quite firm enough to do this in and it definitely did when i first ran in it so yeah
2: hmm
1: so I, 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 I I haven't <laughs> experienced
0: that as, and I, I've done quite a lot of, uh, well, I've done about 150, 200K in one pair now, but, um, but you know, I like softer the better, so it's probably getting better for me. <laughs> okay, cool. So we've got a question from Averill Chen. Oh, this is a good one, because there's actually a few people commented below. and There's a few different levels of this question. <laughs> oh, so God. they said, uh, do you think this, uh, so they're talking about the on-cloud Surface 7, do you think this would be a good recovery day shoe? Currently looking at these, the A6 Nimbus 25 and the Nike Invincible 3, um, and we pick that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I love it for recovery day. Yeah,
3: I think so. I, I think it's that
0: I'd that's agree.
1: The perfect
3: use for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd agree. The only
1: thing about it is uh, I'm using it tomorrow for, for a recovery run, pretty much. I'm still interested to see how the midsole holds up over extended use, whereas I do think the Nimbus is going to be a bit of a monster in terms of durability. The Cloud Surfer we don't know yet just because it is a bit of an innovative design and very soft for on. So I guess that would be my only concern but that, if you keep doing a lot of recovery runs and it, it might wear out quicker than another shoe.
3: Yeah, I've been grabbing the Nimbus 25 and the and the Cloud Surfer for my kind of easy kind of run. So I think those are definitely good options. Too. Well, this leads think, on to the next question, get. Mike. Yeah. So
0: um, Harold <laughs> Chen then asks, would you guys prefer them, the Cloud Surfer 7s or the Gel Nimbus 25 as recovery shoes?
1: Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, good question. I'm going Cloud Surfer. Cloud surfer for me,
2: all the
3: way. I've moved towards more more time than cloud surfer as well. I just love how
1: light the cloud surfer is, given how soft it is. It just it does feel brilliant, but yeah, it
2: squeaks it squeaks the only thing uh, is it squeaks we did get Mine's a question squeaks. about squeaking but I,
0: i've
1: not had it. When
3: in walking I, I am an embarrassing person to walk nearby if i'm wearing the clouds i it just walked
1: it in definitely... the town with it with my uh, with my wife and daughter and i okay yeah I got no okay <laughs> free time next for question
0: me. um what uh what about versus uh, there's loads of these what about versus the Socony triumph 20? That's top top 20 that's tough one for me
1: Triumph 20s is, I think, probably a more capable shoe if you want to use it for stuff other than recovery runs. But for pure yeah, recovery yeah. runs, I prefer the Nimbus and the Cloud Surfer.
0: Cool. All I right think then. the upper, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> Benjamin David says, which would you say has the stiffer plate? The Rocket X2 or Vaporfly 3? Rocket it's, X2 for me. Yeah, Default Rocket plate. X2. Okay. Yeah, um, stiffer plate, yeah. I'd say Rocket X2 feels a bit definitely stiffer Definitely more to noticeable me. for me. A
1: lot, a lot of... Uh, I don't know. I, think I don't know if it's a stiffer plate or it's just got a slightly lower stack. Yeah, I couldn't tell you.
0: Okay. Okay, well, we'll move on. James B. Walker says, which is more stable, deviate Nitro 2 or the uh, Endorphin Speed 3? <laughs> I, I'd say Deviate <laughs> Nitro 2 because it yeah, feels I, a little uh, bit, it holds your foot, foot better in place, I think, um, because of that upper, but also it li- feels a little bit closer to the ground for me than the, the Speed 3, so I, I'd say Deviate Nitro 2.
1: Yeah, I think it feels a bit more stable. Uh, got a slightly grippier outside, which isn't really stability, but makes you feel a bit more confident in terms of stability, I think.
0: Okay. Bob Bruno says, uh, this, this popped up a few times in the best running <laughs> shoes video. No New Balance Fuel Cell SC trainer
1: mention in this video? You didn't say that last bit, but I've just added that on. I'm going to say, if you go, this is a bugbear of mine. If you watch a big video and just say, no, this shoe, what, what are you expecting? Yeah, no, there isn't. If we I mean, haven't yeah.
0: added a shoe in that you know we've tested, There's a we we, we don't think it's one of the best shoes. That's- I
1: Simple as that. I wanted to reply to all of those comments saying, oh, no, it's in there. Just make you watch it again."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I went through a lot of questions, and a lot that was a, a big focus. A lot of people just going, "Where's this shoe? Where's this shoe?" If you, if you Basically, have, if you're listening to this and you and and you watch that video, and the shoe's not in there, and you know we've tested it, we don't think it's one of the best shoes. That's yeah. that's the general if you general point.
1: want a specific reason why I want to delve into a bit more, then ask a, ask a full question. We might get back to it. If you just say, "No, this shoe, no, there isn't." Nothing. I've got or
2: nothing just, else to add to that or Tom would you know, let, in. let me put it in yeah. Yeah. Tom would <laughs> No, let me put it in Tom I got rid of him uh, <laughs> yeah. tell, a vendetta tell us uh, tell us tell us why you think it should yeah, be exactly yeah. yes that's yeah. a good one no, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great it. thing because <laughs> I, you know I think people find different shoes that work for them and great if they do but we'd love to hear why you think it should be yeah.
0: okay so I think that does us for questions this week I'll do a very quick here's a final running fact for you running facts the uh, fastest marathon, dressed as a badminton player, a, a man, is three hours, twenty-three minutes, and thirty-three seconds. That's so easy. I'm, I do might that. go no, and Badminton do that.
2: players dress as I mean, essentially yeah. the same Just a, a
1: man
0: with <laughs> <laughs> so a racket. Runner. No, I'm, I'm assuming you've got to carry a racket. I'd bat
1: myself to run I'm it. Sh- the sh- to... shuttlecock. I, reckon I could dress as a shuttlecock and run it quicker than that. I reckon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm, I think most people wouldn't even question that you're in fancy dress.
1: Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. Oh, why has you got a racket? I get. He had to. If you do not have a racket, then. No, no chances is a record, right? These
2: fancy dress records are getting ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's hitting the shuttlecock up all the way long, then fair yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, or yeah.
1: balancing it.
2: Yeah. 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 Like, a like a, ver- a badminton ver- egg <laughs> and spoon really. I'll verify
1: that. Do you want, do you want a fact on the shuttlecocks?
0: No, because I've only got 12 seconds left on the
1: fastest <laughs> moving thing in sports. Look it up. Good. Right. So uh, that's
0: it. That's us done for this podcast because uh, we're running out of time on the uh, the, the podcast timer. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us on uh, on the channel, you can email us at team at the run or at the run testers uh, uh, on Instagram or forward slash the run testers on YouTube. You probably already know that. Thanks, guys, uh, and we'll be back next month with a new podcast.
3: Adios. Bye. Spider.
0: that's it from us on this episode of the podcast thanks a lot for listening don't forget to use your code for sayski that is trt15 and also don't forget to give us a subscription on your podcast provider of your choice so that you can make sure that you get future episodes of the podcast directly to your chosen provider thanks a lot for listening catch you next time this episode of the podcast was presented by tom weekly Kieran Alger, Nick Harris-Fry and Mike Saul. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley. The music was by Fear of Tigers.